Dave Church. I'm excited tonight to talk to you about something you already know about the apostles and just kind of highlight some of the things about these men that um, are, are very interesting and I think encouraging for us. And so I'm happy you're here tonight uh, and welcome both members and visitors alike. Let's go to God in prayer, please. Dear God, thank you so very much for blessing us. For your name is great, and you are great. And we're so thankful, Lord God, to know that we can come to you in prayer and that you hear us. And Lord God, that you've blessed us and you will continually keep us. And you've granted us your son. And Lord God, the world, the world in the days past, they crucified him on the cross. And Lord God, we, we ever think sometimes if, if Jesus came in our day, would we, would we do the same? But regardless, Lord God, we do know that we all have been guilty of sin. But Lord God, you've forgiven us because of your grace. Because we've asked you to forgive us. And we've surrendered to you in the waters of baptism. Please help us in our worship tonight to stay focused. Bless us to honor you in all that we say and do. In Jesus' holy and precious name we pray. And thank thee if it be thy will. Amen. John chapter 1, please, is where we'll, uh, we'll begin. And... Um, Mike is going to work on the slides, and maybe, yep, he, he did a great job this morning on the slides with us, and um, it, we, it's funny, we have a, a malfunction when he's doing it for the very first time, <laughs> but he's doing it good. All right, the apostle, we're going to start with Andrew in John chapter 1 in verse, um, verse 35, the power of a seed, right, the power of of a seed tonight. I'm thinking about Andrew. John 1 and verse 35. And again the next day, John was standing with two of his disciples. And he looked upon Jesus and walked and said, Behold the Lamb of God. And the two disciples heard him speak and followed Jesus. And Jesus turned and behold, he beheld, he beheld them following him and said to them, What do you seek? And they said to him, Rabbi, which is translated means teacher, where are you staying? And he said to them, come and you will see. And they came therefore and saw where he was staying. And they stayed with him that day for it was about the tenth hour. One of the two who heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. And so Andrew heard Jesus speak. He first heard John speak. And John spoke of the Christ. And here comes the Christ. And so Andrew followed Jesus. And look at the first thing he did. He first found, verse 41, uh, He found first his own brother Simon and said to him, We have found the Messiah, which translated means Christ. Interestingly enough, Andrew's belief was automatic. Andrew didn't question. He didn't doubt. He knew that Jesus was the Messiah. He goes to uh, his brother, and he says to his brother, now we have found a man. Now we have found maybe the Christ. Andrew's conviction uh, in Jesus was automatic. It was 100% based on the evidence and based on John's preaching. So he says, we have found the Messiah, which translated means Christ. He brought him to Jesus, and Jesus looked at him and said, you are Simon, the son of John. You shall be called Cephas, which is translated Peter. And so when when he found his brother, he didn't just tell him about Jesus. He literally brought him to Jesus. 
And we, you know, you kind of wonder, what did the apostles do? Well, think about what Andrew did. He found Jesus. He had this instant belief in Jesus. He loved, obviously, Jesus, was willing to follow Jesus, but first went and got his brother and brought his brother to Jesus. There's something about bringing people to Jesus, right? And when you're thinking about uh, the, the seed that's planted, and we're going to talk this week, just a moment, for just a moment, about Peter and the power of that seed in Peter. And then we're going to talk about Peter again, Lord willing, next week. But Andrew found his brother and brought his brother to the Christ. Matthew chapter 4. Matthew chapter 4 and verse 18. Information. And walking by the sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who was called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea. They were fishermen. And he said to them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And this passage um, is always interesting to me because imagine in your day, right? Jesus walks up to you and says, follow me. That means quit your job, right? And, and maybe you're going to leave where you live, and you're going to leave your lifestyle, and you're going to leave everything and follow God into the unknown. How many people would do that? That's what's so amazing about Jesus, right? And Andrew, in this passage, and, and Peter, they, they were out fishing. They were fishermen. They just brought their boats in, parked them, <laughs> tied them up, and said, where are you going? Let's go. Who would, who would do that? There's more to the apostles than, than we really think. When we think about them being leaders, they literally stopped everything they were doing in their lives and just gave their lives wholly to Jesus and followed him. That's remarkable to me. And then the very next verse says in verse 20, and they immediately left their nets and followed him. They didn't even go home and confer with their family. They said, this is Jesus. What else can we do? What else should we do? What is the right thing to do? His family might have tried to talk them out of it. I would ask the question, what are you doing? How do you know it's Jesus? And what, what do you mean you're just going to follow Jesus? What does that even mean? Where are you going? I don't know where we're going. We're just going to follow Jesus. It's amazing to me. John 12, please. John chapter 12, beginning at verse, at verse 20. Now there were certain Greeks among those who were going up to worship at the feast. And so remembering that it was both Jews and Gentiles, proselytes who worshiped God uh, in different assemblies. And so they had obviously become proselytes. These therefore came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida of Galilee, and began to ask him, saying, Sir, we wish to see Jesus. Philip came and told Andrew, why did he do that? Why did Philip go to Andrew? We think about Andrew. What, what did Andrew do? Well, he obviously was a man who was willing to speak to Jesus or had some kind of a relationship with Jesus, but he was more than willing to talk to Jesus about some of the hard things. Like, I'm going to carry a message to Jesus and say, Jesus, there are some, some Greeks here and they want to talk to you. And, and, and Jesus, you, you ought to go? Or what's the next part of that conversation? But they, they went to, he went to Andrew. He didn't go to Jesus. Why didn't, why didn't he go to Jesus? Why did he go to Andrew? I don't know. 
Andrew was more than just a, a blurb on the scale when we're thinking about the apostles. And you say, well, you know, there was Andrew and there was... But the important apostles were, you know, John and James and Peter and Paul. No, Andrew was equally important, right, in this relationship with God for humanity. Philip came and told Andrew. Andrew and Philip came and they told Jesus. It's almost like, like Philip and Andrew had this conversation. Like, what do you think? You know, what should we do? And they were talking about what they were going to do. They developed their plan, if you will, or their words. And then they together carried the message to Jesus. And then John chapter 6, please. John chapter 6 and verse 4. Like, like Stephen said, the little boy had his lunch. <laughs> and, and Philip, or Andrew, convinced the young lad to give his lunch to Jesus. Right? Look, look at the account. Remember the account. John 6 and verse 4. Now the Passover, the feast of the Jews, was at hand. And Jesus, therefore, lifting up his eyes and seeing that a great multitude was coming to him, said to Philip, Where are we to buy bread that these may eat? And this he was saying to test him, for he himself knew what he was intending to do. Philip answered him, 200 denarii worth of bread is not sufficient for them for everyone to receive a little. And one of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, There is a lad here who has five barley loaves and two fish. But what are these for so many people? Right? He seemed to be a man of action. Right? Okay, we've got a problem. And now how are we going to solve it? Well, there's a, there's a young man here, and he, he has five five barley loaves and two fish. But Jesus, what are we going to do about this? I can get the five loaves and the two fish. But what are we going to do about this? He seemed to be a man, one of the apostles of, of action. And, and you know, listening and thinking about historically what they say about Andrew, that he was a traveling man as well. All the apostles seemed to travel in their personal mission uh, for Jesus. And, and historically they say that Andrew preached in Bithynia, uh, Scythia, Greece and among the Parthians. They say that he was in prison in Greece and then crucified on a cross, an X-shaped cross, and they call it St. Andrew's Cross to this day. If you researched it online, he was executed for the cause of Christ, but willing, right? But willing. And so, though we don't have a lot written about Andrew, Andrew seemed to be a very dominant apostle amongst the men of God. He called, John chapter 1, please, in verse 40, he went and called his brother. One of the two who heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon, Peter's brother. He found first his own brother, Simon, and said to him, We have found the Messiah, which translated means Christ. And he brought him to Jesus, and Jesus looked at him and said, you are Simon, the son of John. You should be called Cephas, which is translated Peter. Simon Peter. Kind of different from John. Turn to Matthew chapter 4, please. You see, I'm going to come to this in a moment, but Andrew seemed to, when he spoke, like he, you know, he thought about things. He, he, he talked to people about things. Peter just kind of blurts it out. Right? We'll get to him in, in, in thinking about that in just a moment. But Matthew 4 in verse 18. So God gave Peter a specific special covenant name, if you will, because he was going to be a unique apostle. What did God see? Well, God 
saw something in Peter that he didn't see in anyone else. And I wonder at times, what did God see in me? What did God see in you? Right? Matthew 4 and verse 18. And in walking by the sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who was called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea. For they were fishermen. And he said to him, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. And they immediately left their nets and followed him. Preacher, you just read that. I know, I'm trying to emphasize that. It wasn't just Andrew. Peter also, Peter was a married man. Right? We don't know about Andrew, but he's married or not. But Peter was a married man. Wouldn't it have been more complicated for Peter to just immediately follow Jesus? How does that even work? You see, you see what I'm getting at while well, I read it a second time? On one hand, you just have Andrew, and he you know, doesn't say he's a married man. Maybe he was. Maybe he was not. But we know Peter was. But Peter, just like Andrew, immediately left his, his work, if you will, his, his lifestyle, and followed Jesus. How confusing that could be in a relationship. I would say how confusing that had to be. Can you imagine the conversation? Honey, pack your bags. We got to go. <laughs> what do you mean? Where are we going? You know, maybe, yeah, I'm not going to continue with that. But you get that, right? Wow. I appreciate and respect these men for the amazing attitudes that they had in following Jesus. They were John's disciples, and they were expecting the Christ. Matthew 14, please. And as the Christ came along, and what a blessing it was, what a blessing it was in their lives as they looked for, they looked for the expected one, Jesus Christ. Now, Peter was a man who, who a lot of us can relate to. He was a man that, you know, kind of filled with doubt a little bit. Um, Matthew chapter uh, 14 and verse 28, the sea. Jesus walks on the water. Peter answered him and said, Lord, if. It is you. He didn't say, Lord, I know it's you. Right? Everyone else is, you know, hovering in fear. Now think about the, the situation, the scene, that, that it's, it's, you know, that the waters are, and the waves are turbulent and rough and it's scary and you look out there and the wind's blowing and there's a man walking on the water and you've never seen it before. And Peter says, well, Lord, if it's you, well, who else could it be? Right? Well, I don't know. And it, I don't know. Were they, I mean, wh who else could it have been? Who else did Peter think maybe would come walking on the water? I mean, I, right? I, you, you're walking with Jesus. You're living with Jesus. And what did Peter believe? What, what was going on in Peter's mind? Why the question uh, with the conditional phrase, if? Lord, if it is you. And then he said, look, I, I'm not challenging you, Lord, but here's my question. If it is you, command me to come to you on the water. If it is you, see, Peter likes to tell Jesus what to do. <laughs> you know that, right? You read Peter, you read, okay. If it is you, then command me, right? Me, not us. Not the, I'm not talking about them. Just me. If it is you, command me to come on the water. And so Jesus said, okay, come, right? And Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came toward Jesus. So now you, you wonder, what is Peter thinking right now? Walking on water. And you go, this, this shouldn't even be. This, 
wow, right? He's walking on the water, and, and he's walking to Jesus, and then he does something that he's not supposed to do, and that is he takes his eyes off of Christ. And sometimes in our lives, we can think about the same thing, the same idea, the same thought, that when walking with Jesus, if you take your eyes off of Jesus in life, life becomes real difficult. It's already difficult as it is. It's got so much in it. Life is so tough for us. It's challenging. There are so many things that come our way. You never know what's going to come from day to day. And that's why Jesus says, seek him first, right? Today, tomorrow, verse 34 of Matthew 6, will have its own problems, right? Just, you got to just live in the day, live in the moment for Jesus, because we just don't know what's coming. And so Peter is walking with Jesus, and the, the moment he takes his eyes off of Christ, look at what happens. You know the, you know the account. But seeing the wind, verse 30, uh, he became afraid, and beginning to sink, he cried out, saying, Lord, save me. Now he said, Lord, if it's you, command me to come out on the water. Was he thinking about that? No other apostle said that. The other apostles must have been thinking what I was thinking. I'm not going out there. <laughs> Can't you see the wind and the waves? But Peter, in his own mind, in his own thinking, with this special relationship with the Lord, he goes out to Jesus. And what I love about what happened was, the minute he took his eyes off of Jesus, and he began to sink, he also knew who to talk to when he was in trouble. And he said, Lord, save me. And, and so in life, and in our struggles in life, even if we take our eyes off of Jesus, Thank God that you can come back and say, God, save me. God, help me. God, I'm in trouble. And the trouble that Peter got into was kind of his own, right? Because he took his eyes off of Jesus, and he, the Bible says, became afraid. Nothing was different. Think about this for a moment. Nothing was different about the situation. The waves were wild. The, the, the water was rocky. The wind was blowing. Jesus was right in front of him. Lord, if it's you, command me to come out of the water. The waves were wild. The boat was rocky. The wind was blowing. He gets out of the boat. The waves are wild. The wind is blowing. And it's all the same. And he gets on the water. He's walking on the water. And then he creates his own monster. Right? What does it say? We, we uh, turn a, a molehill into a mountain. He created his own monster. Right? He started doing something that God tells us is above our pay grade. Stop thinking sometimes. <laughs> right? He started thinking, well, you know, I shouldn't be out here on the water. But Lord, if it's you, I'm walking on water. Lord, if it's you, it sure is windy out here. Lord, I mean, he started thinking, doubting, became afraid. He was already afraid. But now he's really afraid, right? And the fear has gripped him. And sometimes fear that grips us can certainly be paralyzing. But it grips him and it holds him. And Jesus wondered, what happened to you? So maybe it's not for us the scene of walking on the water, but for us it's like we're walking with Jesus and then things aren't going so well for whatever reason. And how, how easy it is for Satan to... Take our eyes off of Jesus. Just for a moment, just get our eyes focused on our situation instead of keeping our eyes focused on Jesus and trouble comes our way, right? Trouble comes our way. And, and I'm going to come back. I'm going to come back to Matthew 14. This is not on a slide, but I'm going to go to Hebrews for just a moment. Chapter 12, and I'm going to read this to you. 
Therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us also lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangles us and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. And so you have this cloud of witnesses around you saying, you guys got this. Hang on to Jesus. Just keep on going. Stay on the track. Stay on the track. And sometimes I get off the track, right? And that's where the problems begin, you know. And then we go to Jesus and Jesus help me. And Jesus is so caring and so loving. He doesn't say, why did you get off the track? He just says, let me help you first. We'll talk about this later. And so the, the text tells us that there's this great cloud of witnesses. And verse 2 is the answer to life. It's what Peter failed to do after a few minutes or seconds or whatever, whatever time frame there was. He forgot to fix his eyes on Jesus. He started looking around at everything else. When you look at everything else, church, this doesn't look good. <laughs> right? When you right, we can start talking. Oh, well, stock market. Just forget that. <laughs> Right? I mean, that one's gone. I mean, it's going to come back. You know, everyone's always oh, going to come back. You're fine. You start looking at that and you start going, oh, wait, how are we ever going to make it? You get sick. You become sick. Oh, how am I going to get, will I ever get better? You ever felt that way when you were sick? You start thinking, will I ever get better? Right? And then just troubled in life, just troubled in life. And, and when we take our eyes off of Jesus and say, you know, God, I know you're with me. God's never left me. Even though I'm in trouble right now, I know God's with me. I know I'm good, but if I take my eyes off of Jesus, I begin to sink in my walk of faith, right? I'm no different than Peter. In fact, I can, I can relate to that. I can relate to that. In life, when life happens, then what, right? I don't know how I'm going to handle things that will come my way in the future. I, I don't know. I like to say I do. I would love to say, well, you know, here's what I'll do. But I don't know that I'm going to do that. Tony, you're going to walk in faith. You're a man of... Will I, will I walk in faith? Really? When I'm staring down the eyes of death, will I, will I walk in faith? Or will I begin to doubt? I don't know. I'm not, I haven't been there. I don't know what my tomorrow holds. But I do know that I need to condition my mind now to keep my eyes fixed on Jesus. So fixing our eyes, verse 2, on Jesus, the author and perfecter of the faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. I, I hold on to this. That while Jesus was suffering and struggling on the cross, he was, he was thankful and happy to know that he was saving me. How about that? Right? That was the joy. See, the joy was that he was happy and thankful that he was saving you. Right? And so the joy set before him, the fact that he was bringing salvation to a lost and dying world brought joy into his heart, which makes it true in understanding, for God so loved the world. God was on the cross, loving the world, saying, I'm saving you because I love you. So Peter is, is out there on the, on the water uh, in verse, uh, Matthew chapter uh, 14. And on the water, he takes his eyes off for just... For just a moment. And when he does that, he begins to sink. And Jesus doesn't scold him. He just asks him a question. But he makes it in the form of a statement. In verse 31, immediately Jesus stretched out his hand and took hold of him. I love that word immediately. There it is again. Right? So, so Peter uh, and, and Andrew left their, their occupation immediately and followed Jesus. 
And then Peter called out to Jesus, and immediately Jesus reached out his hand and saved him. Uh, God is a God of action. Immediately, Jesus stretched out his hand, took hold of him, and said to him, Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? What changed? What, what about this situation and scenario changed? <laughs> Nothing. Nothing. So, so may I ask, in life, as we look at life and think about our lives in Jesus, and we begin to doubt. What changed? Right? What has changed? I'm not talking about the situation. The situation. How has God changed? How has God changed? Matthew, please, chapter, chapter 16. Here's another powerful passage of Scripture uh, about, you know, and Peter is involved in this, <laughs> the passage here. In verse 21, that we, we know we, life, we, we know how we want life to go, and we, and we love to be in control, and, and things aren't always going to be the way we expect them to be, the way we hope for them to be, the way that we have, have um, set up our lives to end up, right? You know, I, you ever heard people say, I never, I never thought I'd be here. You ever said that yourself? I didn't know that my life was going to turn so drastically, and, and now I'm over here. I, all my life, I planned, I planned that. It's like a man who, who takes all of his savings, right? All of his, he saves all of his life, and he, he wants the perfect mausoleum, the perfect burial grave. He's got it, and he's so excited about it, and he goes, yeah, that's what I want my life to be. That's where my life is going to end. And then he's lost at sea. You know, you just don't know what, we don't know what tomorrow holds. And so you got to hold on to Jesus and never let him go. And so here, uh, Matthew chapter 16, uh, it, it, things weren't really going the way Peter thought they ought to go. Why did I follow you, Jesus? Verse 21. Verse 21. From that time, Jesus Christ began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised on the third day. So here's God talking. You know, imagine the scene. This is God, and God is saying, this is what's going to happen. And Peter's saying, what? And God says, this is what's going to happen. Verse 22. Peter, come here, Jesus. Let me, let me teach you a thing or two. Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, saying, wait, wait, I don't even, you ever thought, of, let me tell you what I thought about. I thought about this. Did Mary ever spank Jesus? <laughs> you, know, you, you think, you ever, you ever, I just, I've asked that question before, and maybe it's a silly question, but I mean, I'm not saying because he did something, maybe you were trying to, you know, dog, don't touch that, you know, with, a, with us with an electric outlet, you didn't, you're not spanking the child, you're just trying to get the child in, and you, you get, don't touch that, did, you know, how would he, how would she have, you know, he's got something he shouldn't have, and you, and you hurry up and grab it out of his hand, don't do that, did she ever rebuke him? Yeah, I mean, obviously, she's, I'll, I'll let the mothers, the mothers answer that one. I think, I think the answer may be yes. He learned obedience of things he suffered, Hebrews. Peter's a grown man. Talking to a grown man, but not just a grown man, he's talking to God. And he pulls him aside. So imagine that now, you're going you're gonna to pull God aside and say, God, let me teach you something. Can you, this is Peter. 
right? You got to love me. You have to wonder, what is going on, Peter? And then I realized, wait, Peter's kind of like us. How many times have I told God what I'm going to do, right? I, may, I mean, you got to make plans. I get that. But when they change a little bit and they're altered because of life, do we say, God, thank you. I didn't, I didn't know that's where we were supposed to be, but this is where we are, Lord. I know you're with me because this was the plan. Peter pulls him aside and began to rebuke him, saying, God, forbid it. Lord, this shall never happen to you. I learned something about Peter. Peter meant that when he said it. He wasn't, he wasn't just talking. Peter meant that when he said it. This will never happen to you. I'll give my life for you. And he meant it when he said it. Jesus does respond. But he turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me, but you are not setting your mind on God's interest, but man's. How? Satan? That? And you know, Peter never, he didn't change his mind for some time. Even though God said, get behind me, Satan, Peter didn't change his thinking completely. It just, he wanted to, and, but he just didn't get there. And how do we know that? How do we know that? Because when Malchus came with the soldiers, what did Peter do? He drew his sword and he tried to cut off the guy's head. This will never happen to you, Jesus. He didn't get the message. He wasn't, he wasn't, he just wasn't, he wasn't quite listening because he wasn't ready yet to surrender. That, that's what it is. He wasn't ready to surrender because he didn't understand that surrender meant victory. It didn't mean defeat. Not with God. And you see, that's the message for us. Surrender doesn't mean defeat. Surrender means victory in Jesus. He didn't get that. He just didn't get it. And so when he drew his sword, he was more than ready and more than willing to defeat the enemy, and defend Jesus. But he was just like the people who were standing before the cross who said, come down and save yourself. Jesus wasn't the one who needed to be saved. And they didn't get it. Peter didn't know. Peter didn't quite understand. But you've got to give him credit. He didn't give up. Just because he didn't know and just because he didn't understand, he still he did not give up. Two more passages and then we're going to close this one out. Matthew 17. We'll come back. Matthew 17, this amazing event happens before Peter's eyes, right? And he's right there. He's an eyewitness. Matthew 17, beginning at verse 1. And six days later, Jesus took with him Peter and James and John, his brother, and brought them up to a high mountain by themselves. And he was transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun. His garments became as white as light. And behold, Moses and Elijah appeared to them talking with him. Now here's the greatest event, right? There's Jesus. There's God. There's Moses. And there's Elijah. Moses and Elijah and God in the same place. 
It is exciting, right? We're going to go to another passage to get some of the, the mental side of what's going on. And Peter answered. I want to go back to verse 3. And behold, Moses and Elijah appeared to them talking with Jesus. That's the context. Moses and Elijah are talking to Jesus. <laughs> so, there's, so there's God and Moses and Elijah having a conversation and, and Peter and, and is there and John and James and Peter has an answer. <laughs> We're not talking to you. <laughs> Look at the text. They're not talking to Peter. They're talking to Moses and Elijah. And the text says, again, verse 3, Behold, Moses and Elijah appeared to them, talking with him, Jesus. And Peter answered, as if there were a question asked to Peter. Peter, what should we do? <laughs> he didn't ask him a question. But this is Peter. Peter answered and said to Jesus, Lord, whew, it is good to be here. If you wish, I can do something for you. All right, here we go. I will make three tablets. Wait a minute, time out, wait. Peter, how are you going to do this? Right, you see Peter? He's so excited, but sometimes he talks when he ought to just be silent. Right? So, so he says, I'll make here three tabernacles. Here, one for you, and one for Moses, and one for Elijah. And what I love about Peter is, I can relate to Peter. <laughs> it's like, oh, yeah. Yep, should have mind my business on that one. <laughs> I can relate to Peter. But here's something I learned. I learned in this text that as great as Moses and as great as Elijah and any other apostle uh, is there or any kind of prophet is there, there's no one greater than Jesus. There's no one greater than God. You can't make a tabernacle or a church for Elijah and you can't make a church for Moses and you can't make a church for Jesus as if they're on an equal plane. There's only one church and it's only for Jesus, right? And so you listen to that and you learn that. And the Father says in verse 5, while he was still speaking, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them and behold, a voice out of the cloud saying, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. Don't listen to Moses. Don't listen to Elijah. Listen to Jesus. That's a good message. Thank you, God. Listen to Jesus. So why did Peter speak? Let's close this out. Uh, Luke uh, chapter 9. Why did, why did Peter... Now, John doesn't speak, and James doesn't speak. Why did Peter feel compelled to speak and solve? I don't know what he was trying to solve. I don't know what the conversation was between Jesus, Moses, and Elijah. But Peter had a solution. Verse 33 of Luke chapter 9. Here's why Peter spoke. And it came about as these were parting from him. Peter said to Jesus, Master, it is good for us to be here. Let us make three tabernacles, one for you and one for Moses and one for Elijah, not realizing what he was saying. Number one, he had no clue what he was talking about. <laughs> they weren't talking to him anyway. He had no clue. He had no idea what he was saying. Just none. He was just talking. Just, I don't know if he just needed to hear himself speak. I don't know what was going on in Peter's mind, but I can see me. I can see me. He didn't even know what he was saying. And then the second part of that, in verse 35, and a voice came out of the cloud saying, this is my beloved son, my chosen one. Listen to him. 
Jesus spoke to Peter in an amazing way. Verse 34, while he was saying this in this cloud form, while he was saying this in the cloud form and began to overshadow them. So we got to get that, right? So we know Peter says, make the tabernacles. We know the Father says, listen to Jesus. But this cloud overshadowed them and they were afraid as they entered the cloud. And finally, Peter might have realized something. He might have realized that he's in a place of awe, a place of magnificence. It's not time to speak. It's time to rejoice. And it's fear. It's time to bow down. It's time to be silent. I also learned this. It's a time to be silent. Our friend Peter. What's God going to do with Peter? Right? We'll come back next week and we'll look at that. How God can take a messy situation, me, and turn it into something good. You. Isn't that great? How God can take you and all your flaws and turn you into something amazing. We'll get to that next week. So this evening, if there's something we can do to help you in any way, if you would like to surrender to Christ in the waters of baptism, to surrender to Him, receive forgiveness of sins, and to walk with Him the rest of the days of your life, we invite you to come. If, if tonight there are some struggles in your life and you like prayers made in your behalf, you can make that known. While together we stand and sing our song of invitation. Give us just a minute.